As Protestants and Catholics, we worship the same God, we just do it a little differently. For example, Protestants worship God in their Bible studies, fellowship, and spirit-filled services. And Catholics worship God in their beautiful cathedrals, liturgies, and sacred traditions. But that's no reason to behave like prideful little children in the Father's house, fighting over who God loves more, just because we think our way is the best way. For there is no distinction between Jews and Gentiles, and there is no distinction between Protestants and Catholics. The same Lord is Lord of all, and is generous to all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We are all God's children, but the enemy has us distracted and divided against ourselves. Meanwhile, he's destroying our families and robbing our children of their future. We must join forces. Let's stop talking about how we are different and start talking about how we are all the same in our struggles. We are all broken and we all need a savior named Jesus. We like this idea so much we created Broken Catholic, the number one podcast in the world for Protestants and Catholics. Now close your eyes and take a listen as everyday Christians reveal shocking before and after stories of how they resisted or cooperated with God's plan for their life and what happened next. Hi, this is Dr. Scott Hahn and you're listening to Joseph Warren with Broken Catholic. You're going to enjoy everything you hear. Today, my featured guest is Joe Farris. You can find him at joefarris.org. Joe Farris has been spending time with Catholic audiences all over North America for the past 25 plus years with a consistent message of inspiration and hope. And oh my gosh, don't we need it now, BC Nation. He has a reputation for being incredibly easy to work with and has been called an eclectic blend of storyteller, comedian, and motivator. His most important work is 28 years of marriage to his wife, Ashley, and his six incredible children. So Catholic, right? Uh, he also uh, now has two daughter-in-laws. Congratulations. And Joe, just a little bit about me. Uh, God just blessed uh, my family with a baby boy. So I just had my first son this week. Uh, actually, last week, sorry. Uh, it's been a whirlwind over here. Uh, his name is Asher, Asher Gabriel. And Asher means... Uh, happy and blessed by God. And that's exactly how I feel right now. Um, so Joe Farris is one of the most engaging and energizing evangelizers of our time. He is a he is a gift to the Catholic Church in the United States, says Bishop Carl Kemi, Diocese of Wichita. Uh, Joe, welcome to Broken Catholic. Go ahead and uh, fill in some of the gaps in that intro, would you? Uh, yeah, for sure. And thank you for that really kind words, but the, really what resonated with me, what you said is you had a kid a year, uh, a week ago, not a year ago. And your kid's name is Gabriel. My oldest son, his Asher name is Gabriel. Gabriel. Yes. Yep, yes. Yep. I, t- I, I, uh, my oldest son's name is Gabriel and I'm just an honored to, to see somebody start that journey. So I'm going to start with just a one sentence scripture. Cause I, I promised myself this year, I'd do it. And I'll explain in a second why this 50th year you will make sacred by proclaiming liberty in the land of all its inhabitants. That's from the 25th chapter of Leviticus. This is my 50th year. This is my Jubilee. So mm. I always start with that, but I am, uh, the gaps to be filled in are pretty simple. I am a pretty simple guy who goes out and just loves folks and loves people where they are and tries to encourage them to go a little deeper in their relationship with God. It is important to note that I was raised by lawyers. My father's a lawyer. My older sister's a lawyer. My younger brother's a lawyer. I have 22 cousins who are lawyers. So my faith has been trapped more in questions than answers. So I was raised to constantly use one word over and over again, which is why. And so I walk into communities all over the United States and I just ask why. 
over and over and over again. And I've noticed that in that space, God provides the answers and it's just been powerful. So I do have six kids. I don't think having kids makes me a, a great parent. <laughs> it just makes me uh, incredibly humble most of the time. And I have been married 30 years. And that uh, for me, I'm so in love with my wife. So that's awesome, uh, brother. Yeah. All right. So Joe, take a minute, share something personal about you that very few people in your business life or ministry life actually know. Yeah, I, I was thinking about that and praying about it because I had a feeling that question was coming because I have paid attention to a lot of your podcasts. <laughs> I was like, what I, I the ministry I do is in front of people with a microphone. So I don't I don't hide much. I don't try to put out a persona of perfect Catholic. I'm exhausted by Catholic celebrity. I just want to be Joe. Uh, but Joe is probably the one thing people don't know is Joe reads a tremendous amount of Archie comics. I don't know why, but as a kid, I started reading them and we would go to the beach with my, my parents. And I, to this day that I was praying this morning and I've got a prayer book and then an Archie comic. And I don't, I don't even know why it just does. It reminds me of my youth and my childhood. So I, that's probably something that most people that have not been into my house would have no clue. And I certainly don't advertise that except now to all of your audience and you. Yeah, listen, you just showcased that to the world. So now <laughs> you're going to hear that Archie question That's come true. up. Why do you read Archie? Why? Why? Mm -hmm. Why? Yes. Awesome, Joe. All right, brother. Let's get into it. So uh, born and raised in a family of what denomination? Uh, we were Catholic. We okay. were in small town, Eastern North Carolina. All right. Got it. And you shared offline before we went live here uh, that uh, as Catholics in uh, that that town, that city, you were the minority. Is that correct? So you learned to play nice with all your Protestant brothers and sisters. Yeah, Tell us more sure. about that. Yeah, I, I find that a lot of times in evangelization, we lead with a hammer instead of leading with love. And for me, at least, uh, we were less than 2% of the population. There were five Catholics in my high school, uh, 300 families in my parish. And so you're right. Most of my friends were not Catholic and I had to learn to understand, but even more than understand and respect and love their faith yeah. um, and the way they approach their faith. So yeah, we learned it. And I did youth ministry for 20 years, 30 miles down the road. And we were same small. I had to learn to pray with um, youth ministers from other denominations. So yeah, I've, I've, your mission of your podcast is so close to my heart because we have got to stop fighting or we're going to be destroyed. I'm not saying we have to give up our beliefs or, you know, why or whatever water the things down, but I do think we can enter into the conversation and find the places we meet and we can change the world, or we can just keep fighting and be noise and chaos in the world. Yeah. And I think as we uh, both agree, uh, the enemy is uh, like a roaring lion right now. Um, and he's taking territory, he's taking souls. We see all the depression, we see the suicide rates just exploding. We see porn addiction with fathers, Christian fathers, um, just breaking homes apart, breaking marriages apart. Um, and, and the enemy is definitely taking advances. And do I believe it's all because we're fighting each other as Protestants and Catholics? Of course not. No, there's, you know, just uh, human brokenness, right? The original sin um, that we're all battling in our own personal lives. But darn it, it really helps we find strength in numbers, right? And, uh, you know, the Bible says two cords are not easily broken. And I believe those two cords should be Protestants and Catholics. And we should unify and come together. 120 million of us in the United States alone, approximately. Imagine if we point in the right, the same right direction and get this nation back to one nation under God, under his laws, not all these bogus mandates, which make no sense to all of us. Right. So anyway, that's a little rant there. Joe, back to your story. 
So you're born and raised Catholic. Uh, you're the minority as far as the denomination in uh, your local uh, area. Um, what was like? Uh, what was life like in your teenage years? Your spiritual life, because as we know, especially in the Catholic Church, uh, in our uh, teenage years into college years, especially around college, about eighty something percent of our young people walk away from their faith at that point when they're challenged by these liberal, atheist, agnostic professors in colleges and the arguments sound like so profound and woke and they don't know how to defend their faith. What was that like for you? Did you experience any of that or no? Yeah, I would say most of my, I mean, I didn't grow up with a youth ministry. I didn't go to a Catholic school. I went to CCD, which is what we called it. And I skipped it about a three out of every four times. So I, I wasn't super well formed in the faith. To be honest with you though, Joseph, I also was looking for people um, that were living the faith. And in my community, there were a lot of them, but you're right. I went to college and those numbers slowly dwindled a little bit. And honestly, I'm not going to tell you a story of my great um, faith in college. There was very little of it, either of those things. And I kind of always, but I was formed in a small town with a beautiful understanding of what family is. I'm Lebanese and in the Lebanese um, culture, we believe in fierce loyalty within our families. So that's always been this image that has carried me through. Uh, and I, I will point out, you mentioned the, the break of Catholics and Protestants and all this fighting. I wanna, I, it fits here for me anyway. Um, I think we have to even go one step further back and go our homes have got to be places of unity. Mm -hmm. You know, our homes have got to be spots where we lock arms with husband and wife and children. Now we're so broken. You're right. People are working 90 hours a week, running like crazy. Children are playing 10 sports and we're just not on the same page anywhere. So I think we almost have to, and that probably starts in our hearts, right? Cause the outside world probably a lot of times just mirrors what's going on in us. And I think, uh, so for my, my, my growing, I, I found the Lord after college. Um, I, I mean, I know he was never lost. He was there, but I bumped into him strongly in the sacrament of reconciliation and it transformed everything about every, everything I knew about God was transformed in that moment in that confessional. Tell us more about that, because whether it's Protestant or Catholic guest on my show, I'd love to hear that transformative moment where God just spun your life around, changed the trajectory of where you were headed. And now, I mean, look what you're doing. Like he's called you into a calling of evangelizing the gospel across the planet for the past 25 years or so, right? And Take us back to that moment. You walk into a confessional. Now, for all my Protestant listeners, just open your ears. Like, we're not asking you to change your theology or your beliefs, but be open to the faith and belief of others and how God can show up in each of our hearts in a very special way. So walk us through that. What happened? Yeah, I was in the business world making lots of money, more money than I've ever made to this date. Uh, but I was on a business trip and I just felt very far away from the Lord. I was young. I was in my early twenties and I just felt something was missing. And long, long story short, I made a phone call to a local Catholic parish in Western North Carolina, which is hard to find. Okay. They're not on every corner down there. And I went in and I didn't know what was wrong with me. I just said to the priest, I think I'm something I, I want to try here. I've tried every other place to find peace and happiness. And he said, you want to go to the confession? I said, father, I went to confession in the second grade. I don't need that. I've already done that. And he explained to me that it was not something that you needed, that it was a one and done, which I thought it was. And uh, I, I poured my heart and soul out this man and I braced for him to tell me how bad and ruined and broken, to use your, your word, I was as a human. And he extended to me the mercy and love of God. And I didn't, I, I honestly, 
one of the questions I ask myself every morning when I pray is who is God? And I think my image of God prior to that was almost like a scorekeeper who kept report cards in my daily life and beat me up at the end of every day. And I didn't want to worship a God like that. And I remember that moment in the confessional where he said to me, God has not only forgiven you, Joe, but he has forgotten. You're the one holding on to this stuff. And you're right to our Protestant brothers and sisters. It was an opportunity. I think all of us, self-reflection is important. And I think if you do it with another person, in the case of the sacrament of reconciliation for me, um, it was I looked at every, I tell you that priest, I must've ruined him. I was in there for more than an hour, just pouring out every single detail of everything I'd ever done. And he was, for me, at least he represented Jesus. I mean, he, he spoke to me in such a loving way and I, I left there a different person and that's mm. who I've talked about and, and, and really who I, um, who, who I worship and who I, you know, encourage folks to follow. I, I don't want to, I didn't want a God that sat on a cloud somewhere up in the sky and threw lightning bolts on me waiting for me to screw up. And a lot of that's tied to your father and who you're like, as you're raised in those moments. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for sharing that story with us. For our Protestant brothers and sisters that are listening right now, and maybe part of your brain just shut down as the theological part of your brain, saying, why would you go confess to the, a person, a human, when you could go straight to Jesus? Absolutely. Like Catholics do believe you could go straight to Jesus. They do it all the time, right? But just to be clear, the sacrament of reconciliation or confession, not that this should be a theological point here, but I just want to clear it up and open your mind just a little bit if your mind just shut down, um, is that Catholics do believe that they are confessing directly to Jesus in the confessional through the person of the priest, right? So the, the term in Latin, in persona Christe, right? The standing in the place of Christ in human fleshy form is that priest. And in the Bible, it's backed up with, you know, when Jesus says to the apostles, like, go forgive sins, Right. Um, what sins you held bound or held bound, what sins you release or released. And he gives his apostles, the early priest, the first priest, the authority of himself to forgive those sins, right? In his person, they're in his person, he's going to the Father. So just to be clear on that, Catholics do not believe that the, the priest, the human, is forgiving their sins by any means. They believe it is Jesus himself through the authority of the apostles passed down to all the priests including that man standing right in front of them in that confessional. So that's a little mini lesson of what Joe experienced. That's why God's healing power came in and released all the heaviness, the burden, the yoke of the world that was weighing him down and stealing his peace. Amen. Joe, is that an accurate way, accurate way to say it? That's a much more articulate way and theological way to explain exactly what happened. And uh, I, I will, it wasn't like my life went back to easy. It wasn't like my wallet filled up with money and, and I never had another struggle again. But what it was for me was a space to go to be recharged and to regain that peace. And, and we pray that prayer in mass. If you're not Catholic and you go to the mass, we pray a prayer called the Confidior. And we say, I confess to Almighty God and to everyone gathered here that I'm screwed up. The thoughts I have, the things I do. And I, that's my, my, you know, my little take on it. But the fact is we start mass by saying we're broken. Yeah. And, and no one, and I hear people repeat that prayer all the time, man, we need to, we need to slow that down and really sit in that sometimes because we speed right through it to get to everything else. And we, you know, so I, for me, I, I, yeah, I appreciate the explanation because I do think if you're listening, we had, 
40% of our youth group of a couple hundred students were not Catholic. And we would have priests come for confession and they would often go not to confession, but they would go, it's nice to have someone to talk to. And they would tell the priest, I'm not Catholic. And the priest would just listen and pray with them. Mm. And so it's just a space for them to kind of let the uh, pressure out of the line, I would say, you know, and I was in, you, know, you kind of release the pressure a little bit and it just gives you some peace for somebody to hear it and to pray for you. Yeah, for sure. All right. So you go through that uh, confession experience. God touches you with his peace and forgiveness. Yeah. And the the priest, Jesus, through the priest, reminds you that your sins are cast into the ocean, never to be seen or heard from again, right? Yeah. They're forgotten. Yes. They are forgotten. They're not held against you. They're not a chain that you're meant to carry the rest of your life, this ball and chain. So many Protestants and Catholics alike, I see this. They're carrying the chain of sin from their past, of guilt and shame and regret and poor choices, even though they ask God for forgiveness, they they heard God forgive them, and they won't forgive themselves. Amen. Amen. So, Joe, speak to that. No, I, I want to. Saint Paul the Cross, one of my favorite saints, uh, he said that your sins are like a handful of cotton, and the love of mercy, love and mercy of God, is like a forest fire. He said you're throwing them into the forest fire of God's love and mercy. My wife, when we got married said she felt like she was carrying a garbage bag full of her past mistakes up to the altar. And then she looked up at the crucifix and she realized she was entering into this covenant with me. And she said, it was like someone came and took the bag away and I was free to stand upright. When you encounter the love and mercy of God, it, it, it transforms every, it's a game changer. Everything changes. So yeah, man, it's just for it, it, If you understand how much, and I think Pope Francis has said this a few times recently, God seeks to forgive you more than you even seek to be forgiven. Like that's how much God loves us and wants to be with us on this journey. Amen to that. All right. So Joe, God has called you to evangelize, to bring his gospel to the masses. What's that been like for you? What has been some of the challenges? Where have you resisted? Where have you cooperated? You're human just like the rest of us. Right. I, I've resisted every step of the way. I, Growing up, I thought Jesus people were weird. And I thought they were kind of awkward and I didn't really want to be part of it. And I remember thinking, you know, those, those folks are strange. I, uh, I don't have a business plan. I didn't have a business plan. I pushed the boat off the dock and just floated down the river in God's love and mercy from place to place. I don't always have a, a super pristine business plan in place, even to this day. But what I will tell you is that I learned that the more I trust God, the more God gives me space to work. And that's the, the, the ministry that I've lived in. Um, I went into from there to youth ministry. I was hired because I was the youngest guy in mass. It was not because I had any qualifications at all, except my age. Uh, I had some success in youth ministry, started going into parishes and just asking questions and really uh, falling in love with communities. And, and from that space, it's kind of grown into um, what's called a parish mission, which in the Protestant world would be a revival. I show up for two or three nights. I dig in with the staff, the school staff, the students, the families, and we just try to keep going back to love and mercy and pushing farther out and going deeper in as human beings. You know, the, the, I read years ago that the greatest cause of atheism is Christians who preach Christ with their mouth and deny him with their life. Mm -hmm. And I, I am exhausted with that. Like what we probably don't need much more of as a speaker is more words. What we probably need more of is more authentic witness because authentic witness attracts people. It's like a lighthouse on the coast of North Carolina. You know, the boat, the boat, the lighthouse is firm, 
the boats are in the storms and that that's that's called the graveyard of the Atlantic, right? So they make their way up by seeing this light off in the distance. And for me, that's been the ministry I've formed. I'm not a terribly good speaker. I think I can list many more quicker, better speakers than I am. But I will also tell you that my the greatest compliment I got the, recently was someone said, I just can't figure Joe Ferris out, but he just never goes away. <laughs> I just, I mean, that's the point. I'm just a steadfast follower of Jesus and I'm a good friend in that way. I'm not going to leave you. I mean, you talked about Chris Pageant before we started. I love Chris Pageant. I've been a friend of his for a long time. He's walked me through some tough stuff. And he said to me once, no matter what, I'm not going to leave your side. And that's kind of the way I've kind of approached evangelization is it's a long game. Mm. It's a long game. It's not a quick fix. It's not a trick to get somebody to come to church. I think the theme for this episode is fierce loyalty, right? You spoke about it with your your family, um, how fierce loyalty is so instrumental. It's the glue for your family, um, how we need to have that fierce loyalty in our homes, within our marriages. Um, and then looking at Jesus himself and how he reminds us, reminds us of his fierce loyalty, that he's never going away, that he's with us no matter what through everything. There's nothing we can do or say to screw it up bad enough where he's going to walk away. There's nothing, BC Nation. Like he is with you to the end and into eternity. Like this is the fierce loyalty of our faith that we cling to. It's a hope that we, we cling to. But Joe's point here is we want to bring that fierce loyalty of God into our humanity, into our homes, into our families. And when we're able to do that and our kids know that no matter what they ever do, we will never leave them. We will always be right by their side. When our spouses know the same thing, that we will never leave them. This is when you're going to experience God's love, God's forgiveness, his mercy, all around you. And then you're going to go out and do what Joe does and can't help but share it. Look what God has done for me. Do you want him to do it for you? I could show you how. Mm. What do you yeah. say, Joe? I say Acts chapter 4, verse 20. We, could, we encountered the risen Christ and we couldn't help but talk about it. Like That's the biggest question of all this. Is If you're not talking about the faith, maybe it's because you haven't encountered the risen Christ. Maybe you're stuck. Maybe you're standing in mud and maybe God's trying to pull you up out of that and give you some space to move. Cause that's for me, that's, that's it. Like that's you answered it right there. So Joe speak to that specifically. My listener right now is in that spiritual stuckness. What do they do next? What's the next right move? Yeah. Next right move is all, at least for me has always been to be even more still than you've been, even more quiet than you've been and to, to let God let, let him to make the move in my heart. You know, I've learned that we have a lot of noise around us and quiet for me is the answer to all of it. Stillness, slowness. It's, it's funny as it is we live in this urgent world and I'm telling people to slow down. We live in this craziness of the world. I'm like, no, just sit in it. Don't run from tension, sit in tension. Okay. Be there because what will happen is when you allow that and when you accept it, instead of resisting it so much, God finds his space. We are called as people to protect, not to provide. God provides. And that's a, I think it's a confusion sometimes in Christian circles, you know, God's going to, um, you know, I need to work hard. And do, I mean, you do need to work hard, but I don't think you have to spend your whole life doing provision because I think the fact of the matter is you're denying the maker from providing. He's not going to provide always for your wants, but he will provide for your needs. I'm living proof. I lived two years as a full-time missionary with six children. We sold and gave away everything we owned 10 years ago. Like I, 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 
I am fully aware that God provides in those moments because I've been called crazy for this faith I have. Amen to that. Thank you for that, Joe. All right, Joe, welcome to my favorite part of the show. Welcome to the confession round. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I'm going to ask you 10 quick fire questions. You'll have about three seconds to answer each. Don't overthink it. It's just for fun. Are you sure. ready, sir? I'm always ready. All right. What's your favorite thing about God? Uh, mercy and love. Oh, mercy and love. Yeah. What's your least favorite thing about God? Forgiveness. But for me, I mean, sometimes I think I, I feel called, like it, when we pray the Lord's Prayer, the, the, um, forgive us our trespasses, we forgive those who trespass against us. I can barely get through that line every time. I'm really good at forgive me, but not as good at forgive others. Got it. Okay. Thank you for that transparency. Uh, what are you most afraid of? Um, going before God and having to apologize for wasting time doing stupid stuff, you know, wor maybe worrying about stupid. I think I'm most afraid of worrying about things that don't matter. Yeah. I believe we're all struggling with something at any given moment of our life. It's just part of the human condition. What are you currently struggling with or challenged by either professionally or personally? Um, personally, I struggle with a high level of anxiety and I think that, you know, being in this pandemic hadn't helped that at all. And, uh, professionally, I think it's probably the same. It just translates into just a fear of the future. And God didn't call me to worry about the future. So mm. I spend a lot of time worrying about the future. I'm trying to live in the present moment, but it's all I can do. It's exhausting, but it's also gives me the most energy. What did you spend way too much time doing this past year other than worrying? <laughs> um, well, I was going to say worrying about the future, but I think I spent too much time trying to figure out things that I don't, I'm not going to figure out. Do you have an example? Well, I mean, I think we all got probably inundated with, uh, we just all became Google doctors. And I think for me, I just spent too much time trying to manage this thing for, by Googling it and every week getting a new understanding. The work I do is in travel. I mean, I think, you know, so I, I think I spent way too much time doing that and probably should have just trusted the experts and trusted the Lord and moved forward. There you go. What secret fear do you have about people? Uh, I think I desire to be liked and I think I spend a lot of time trying to be liked. Got it. What do you wish you had learned sooner about God? I hate to keep talking about mercy and love, but I think it, had I known that earlier, I probably would have made different decisions. Yeah. So I would say mercy and love. Same for me. Yeah. What's a new habit you want to create, Joe? I would like to continue to cultivate silence in my life. For sure. What's a bad habit you want to break? Uh, I was called recently a, um, negative framer and I want to be careful that I don't frame situations. I, I just want to learn to receive information for what it is instead of putting my slant on it. Mm. Pick three words to describe who you are now. I'm healthy. Finally, I am um, happy finally. And I think I'm strong. Nice. And pick three words to describe who you were before you completely started trusting God with every part of your life. Uh, I was unhealthy, weak, <laughs> and uh, probably more than the first two, I was um, sad. And so I wasn't happy. I mean, I know I took the three words and just reversed them, but that's the truth. Those are the three things that have changed it for me. Yeah, I get it. And last question, Joe, if you could come back to life after you died and uh, look your family and friends in the eye, and give them only one piece of advice about everything, all of it. 
What would you say to them? I would probably, that's a great question. I'd probably have to say to them, um, focus hard on the present moment, slow down and love each other deeply and live deeply in each other's stories and live hard, mercy and forgiveness. Mm. And any final wisdom? What's the one thing you want my listener to know about God's fierce loyalty uh, for them? Yeah, I think for the person listening right now who's tired, frustrated, exhausted, or anxious, lonely, I think I would just say to you, uh, create space in your life for God to speak into that. Don't run from it. Actually move toward it. We spend a lot of our lives resisting, and I would say sometimes the, the answer is in surrender. You know, there's a great prayer called the Novena, or I think it's called the Novena of Surrender. You can Google it and find it. And for me, it's been a huge part of my prayer life, and it's been in learning. I am a control person. I control everything, and I'm pretty good at it. And I've learned that the more control I give up, the more space I give God to just passionately love me and allow me to be used by him to do some pretty amazing stuff. Awesome. Joe, where can uh, my listeners, BC Nation, find out more about you, find out what you're up to, where you're speaking? What do you got for them? They can go to joeferris.org. They can also, I'm on a podcast called The Foxhole, which is connected to someone who's going to be canonized in the Catholic Church uh, and who was the most decorated chaplain in the history of the United States military. His name is Father Emil Cape, and he died in Korea. His body's been found. Uh, They're bringing him home. He's going to hopefully be a saint one day in the church as well. Uh, So I do a lot of work at the Foxhole podcast, do a lot of work at joeferris.org, and just quietly go from community to community, helping people to love where they are, love who they are, and love this God who loves them so much. All right. BC Nation, go check out joeferris.org for all of that goodness. And Joe, thank you for being on Broken Catholic, number one podcast on iTunes for Protestants and Catholics. I wish you God's love, peace, and joy in your life, sir. Thank you very much. Same to you. Have you tried absolutely everything and nothing has worked? Have you tried therapy? Have you tried coaching? Have you tried counseling, Christian counseling? Nothing's worked for you, for your spouse. You just want better communication. When you wake up, do you feel like you want to crawl under a rock in the morning time? Is your brain so scattered and foggy at this point that you're not following through with things? You're not keeping your word in the matter. You're letting people down, maybe your own spouse or kids. Do you have way too much on your plate and you're getting more and more frustrated, which is turning into anger? Are you battling addictions right now? Are you an amped up or frantic person with a lot of anxiety and you're off and on a bipolar and depression medicines? If any of these you connect with, then what I do is specifically this. I do not do therapy. I do not do counseling. Those are for people that want to talk about their problems or learn different ways to cope and manage their problems. I don't do that. Reach out to me if you want to get rid of your problems permanently. Like be done with the addiction. Be done with the medications. Be done with the escaping your life because you just feel so powerless in it. If you want those results and you want peace, it's what we all want. We're all chasing it. We had it as kids. We lost it. Life beat the crap out of us. If you want peace, that's what I sell. It's God's peace. So you can find that at josephwarren.net. You can schedule a call with me, complimentary. 
I'll contribute 30 minutes of my time into your life. We'll get clear on what you actually want. Then we'll see if we're, we want to work together. And that's me interviewing you to see if you're ready. Are you ready to do what it takes? Some people try to come to me, but they're not ready to be coachable. They're not ready to get rid of the problems. Again, if you don't want to talk about your problems anymore and you've tried everything and nothing has worked and you want to permanently get rid of them, go to josephwarren.net and let's see if I'm your guy.